Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. when um, you hear a sermon that not all suffering is bad. It gets you ready. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, I live in Brookville. My family and I live in Brookville. And I was really struggling. Aaron asked me to speak uh, this morning, and I was really struggling with what I was going to talk about. I wasn't even sure I wanted to talk about the tornado because I've seen so much of it. I'm kind of tired of seeing it. But um, I do feel like it was for such a time as this that God's put me into this. So I normally like to get really prepared and make a lot of slides and pictures and videos, and I don't have that today. I'm just going to speak from the heart and just kind of tell you where we are and what's going on. So. Um, to start things off, everybody who was affected probably has some story. There are probably a lot of stories in here. And I know that there are some people in here that were probably not touched at all by it, and some that were very much touched by it. And so I'm keeping that in mind. And we were probably a mix of both. Um, Monday night, uh, Angie and I, we were asleep, and our oldest daughter, Grace, uh, comes in the room and, and wakes me up and said, Dad, all my friends are texting saying there's tornadoes happening. And now I thought, this is probably just a bunch of teenagers overreacting, probably not a big deal. And so I, all right, let me check. I go down and, and I don't sleep with the phone by my bed, so you can call me all you want. I will not answer. <laughs> but I go down, I check the phone, and sure enough, there are tornadoes happening. Not tornado watches, tornado warnings. And so... Um, We've got a tri-level, and my son sleeps downstairs, so he's in a good spot anyways. I get the girls and Angie and bring them all downstairs, and watching the phone and see the, the storm pattern, and we hear the tornado sirens go off. And we wait, and it seems to pass over, and we think, oh, good. And we go back up, and we go back to bed. Next day is the last week of school. we got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The kids are out of school, and, and everything's good. So I get up in the morning and there's a message on my phone and it says that the school is canceled. The roof had been ripped off of our school completely. And so um, later that day we found out school is actually done. There is no last week of school. Last week was the last week of school. You didn't know it. And so um, we, um, we have a friend of, of my youngest daughter who, who often stays with us. She stays with us after school. And we know that both of her, her parents uh, need to go into work. So we called them and said, hey, if you want to bring her over, feel free. And um, they brought her over and they told us their story. They lived, uh, uh, we, we found out we were about a half mile from where tornadoes hit us. The, the school is actually a mile and a half from our house. And um, they live right on the corner, right next to the school, right near the school. And... Uh, there was a, a tornado, there's a, a small auto business right near them that just got completely destroyed right across the street. 
And so their experience was a little different than ours. Um, they knew something was up. They could feel the air pressure changing. And so they all uh, got into a closet together. And they, their daughter um, was in there just shivering, shaking, knowing something's going on. And the mom piles on top of her to protect her. And the dad piles on top of the mom. And they hear everything, the house is moving and shaking and rattling. And uh, after a while, it's, it's done. And they go outside and they see that their, their barn's been destroyed and all of their trees have been damaged in their yard, but their house was safe. They were okay. And they look over and they see all kinds of people, all kinds of destruction. We, uh, we brought uh, their daughter over and she stayed with us that day and, and uh, the husband and, and the wife had a family that were actually um, right off in of North Dixie and their house was, was very badly damaged and so they spent the day over there. I went out that morning, didn't really know how bad things were. I was gonna drive Uber in the morning. I got several calls, I went into Trotwood and found I had to take about four or five di different routes to get to a pickup because there were so many roads closed. And there were power lines draped over the, the roads and trees falling in it. Saw several uh, houses just torn up and telephone poles split in half and splintered. And it was just shocking. And I picked one of my rides up and they called somebody, they're on speakerphone, and all they can say to each other is, I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe we were in a tornado. I can't believe that just happened over and over and over and over again. And you're driving around, you're seeing all these different places. And so, you know, we come back to Brookville and we know um, that it's been hit, but it's different when you live in it. So, so for those of you who've lived in it, you know, it's different when you go and you, you serve a place than when you live in a place and you drive by the places that you see every day that you're used to seeing is standing there as, as structures. And every time you turn around a corner, you're wondering, was this place hit? Was this what happened here? What was torn up here? And these beautiful homes and these homes that are not as nice, it didn't discriminate. They're just different places got hit, different places got pulled apart. And so, you know, we... Um, met different people, you know, our, as most of Dayton was, our, our water was off for a little bit. That's the worst we had to deal with, big deal. I mean, a lot of people lost their houses. And um, a church down the road, the Ridge Church, which um, really pours a lot into our community, um, had uh, brought some showers in in a trailer. And so we, we used that and I could hear different people's stories uh, when we were there. And, uh, there's an area in Brookville, it's called Terrace Park, a little neighborhood that got hit the worst. And it's just, houses were leveled and flattened and piles of, of splinters and amazingly, no, no serious injuries. Amazingly. We heard stories of people who were in a bathtub and they watched the roof go off and they're still there, solid, alive. I talked to a man who he and his wife and, and I think their adult daughter um, knew the storm was going on and they decided they wanted to go outside and watch. Not a good idea. <laughs> and 
And so they didn't know it was a tornado, they knew it was lightning, but they go out and they, they see it, and then they, they can feel the air pressure change, and they know that they better get back inside. So the wife and daughter get in just as the suction starts, starts happening. And the husband gets to the door, and he's hanging, grabs the door, but he can't get inside because he's getting pulled. And one of the hinges breaks on the door, and his feet are dangling in the air as he's getting pulled away, and he just holds on until it finally stops and he falls to the ground walks inside. He had a cut on his leg that bled a lot, but he wasn't seriously injured, but everybody thought that he was because of so much bleeding. And they, they, they look at him and all, all of a sudden he passes out because of this, the shock. And, um, and they, they realize that uh, you know, we better get this guy to the ambulance. They go and they check him out. And they said, you're not bleeding anymore. You're fine, but you probably should go to the hospital. And he says, no, no, no. I don't need to go to the hospital. Find somebody who really needs to go to the hospital. Don't take me. I'm, I'm really, I'm okay. And this family was, you know, of course, there's all the power lines are torn up. There's no power back there. They're basically camping out in their old house. They're not even sure if they're going to be able to salvage. And that's how they're living. That's, that's what they're living in. And so I, um, I learned about a few things when I've been going through this. Angie and I were talking as we're going up to this. Um, you know, she, we were like, so what are you going to talk about on Sunday? And I'm like, tornadoes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've got a plan. We'll see if I can stick to it. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to stand up or have to sit down here this morning, but I'm holding together. One thing I learned is I can't talk about this forever. I can't do this forever. I have to take breaks. I honestly, I've, other people have dealt with this, I feel no survivor guilt. I do not feel bad that this didn't hit me. I do not feel bad that it hit other people and not me. I wish it didn't hit other people, but I have no problem that it didn't hit me. So knowing that we're in, you know, um, the tip area, which, which, you know, there are a couple of tornadoes actually hit week before. But knowing that it didn't get hit as hard, do not feel guilty about that. Do not feel bad about that. Thank God that that happened. That's a good thing. For me to kind of translate, you know, if you're from Tip City, it'd be like if your school roof got ripped off, maybe the roller mill got torn apart, and a bunch of, a big neighborhood got decimated. That's what it looks like. You drive by it all the time, and you know that it's happening all the time. But I have to have something that I'm looking forward to. I have to have something that we're going after. So Angie and I had planned a trip out to Bloomington, Indiana, just for a couple of days. And we were like, should we go? Should we not? You know, can we leave our community when all this is going on? And finally, we realized, you know what? People are doing a lot of stuff. And it'll be there when we get back. There'll be plenty there when we get back. And so we decided that we needed to. And I would say, you know, as Nicole was talking about a minute ago, keep going after joy and hope. Keep going after those things. Allow yourself to, to enjoy life. You know, people who suffered through this want to have that too. It's, we're not trying to help them so that they can go and be miserable too. The point is you have to have something that you're going after and shooting for. And so as we, as we can push through and enjoy life, not forgetting what's happened, but push through and enjoy life, that's part of that's what, what part of what this is about. 
The other thing is, um, just over and over and over again, I learned thankfulness. Everybody I talked to had something to be thankful for. Everybody. Everybody. The ones that, that you know, lost their barn said, it's just my barn, at least my house is okay. The ones that had damage to their house, they said, no injuries. Nobody was hurt, you know? And over and over and over again, people are just finding things to be thankful for. And that's, that warms my heart. Everybody can find somebody who had something worse than them. And so I don't hear a lot of, God, why me? I hear a lot more of, thank God. Thank God. Thank God it wasn't me. And I hope that continues. And the other thing is, um, it's really good to help. It's really good to just, you know, there's not a lot that you can't do. If you, if you own a pickup and a chainsaw, you can be a lot more help than me. But um, Angie and I, uh, yesterday after we got back, we, we spent a few hours. You know, we don't have to drive very far finding places to help. You just go to our fire department and ask them, where's the place that needs most help? And they'll point you in that direction. And we just uh, went to a house that uh, the house was damaged, their, their garage and barn was completely destroyed, and their trees were ripped apart, so there's a tree line with just all kinds of rubble, and they said, if you can start piling stuff up so the bobcats can pick it up more easily, that would be great. So we just spent a few hours you know, sawing stuff and breaking stuff and dragging stuff and raking stuff and moving it over. But it... It, it wasn't much. We worked a long time, and it didn't look like we accomplished very much, but that was our little spot. That was our little thing that we can do. And I saw a lot of people who were going out of their way to help. And even if it's outside of your community, it is a great thing. I know we're starting some things with Steve um, to go help people. There's something very scriptural uh, about that. And um, in, uh, there was a time... When the Apostle Paul was making a collection for Judean churches, believers who were suffering after a famine. And there's a church um, in Macedonia, the Macedonian churches, that I just think is a great example of, that, of this response. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, if we have that, Joe. <clears throat> and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. The point here is they gave themselves to the Lord. That's how you can decide what to do. You give yourself to the Lord first, and then he'll show you how to give in other ways. Sometimes it's, it's, it's prayer, and I, and I want to emphasize we have this saying, we say, well, I guess all we can do is pray, as if it's that, that's not that much. If we believe prayer is powerful, that isn't all we can do. That is what we can do. That is, that is something amazing. That changes the course of history. I fully believe things weren't worse because there was prayer. Because prayer, prayer was happening before all this happened. 
So I was thinking about this and I thought, you know what, I probably should tell you a few things not to do when tragedies hit. These are some of my pet peeves, some of these things that I, I, I know are not helpful. And honestly, I don't see a lot of people doing these, but um, I wanted to remind you anyway. One thing is don't misuse the book of Job, okay? Don't go through and say how bad things could be because it happened to Job. Job is a great scriptural example that we don't understand everything that's going on. That, that's really, Job is the question. Jesus is the answer, okay? It isn't that we ignore the, the book of Job, but I don't want to draw out a, too much theology out of Job because I want to draw my theology from Jesus. Job shows what happens when there are things going on behind the scenes that Job never knew about. And people will quote the book of Job, not realizing that many of the things that they're quoting to, tr to try to use as proof of something were actually Job's friends speaking to them who were, who were corrected later on when God said, you guys are wrong. So don't take things out of context. The other thing is uh, that you can pull out of Job is that you maintain God is still God and he is still good in the end. Whatever you go through, Whatever happens, whatever you see, whatever you don't understand, whatever's going on in your life, God is still God, and he's still good. The other thing I want to caution you against is seeing this as a sign of the end times. Oh, Jesus is coming back soon. We just had tornadoes. Jesus might be coming back soon, but that doesn't prove it. And Bible soon is different than my soon. I would hope he doesn't come back too soon because there's a lot more to be done. There are a lot more people that need to know him. If we carry a theology that says Jesus is coming back soon, then why bother cleaning up? We have to have vision to move forward. We have to have vision to, to prepare something for him when he does return. Too many times people get caught up in this Jesus coming back soon thing and they forget that there are needs today. There are things that need to happen right now. Don't get lost into that. Matthew 24, 36. Jesus is talking about the end times. Do we have that? Matthew 24, 36. There we go. But the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Father God's the only one that knows. Now we can read some signs and times and that kind of thing. But we have to keep an eye out. I do not want to live my life any different if I know Jesus is coming back soon or later. The only reason I live, I clean my life up is because I think he's coming back soon. I have an inferior relationship with him. I want to have a vision that I'm living for him, whether he's coming back in 10,000 years or tomorrow. I want to live toward him. I think a lot of times people say Jesus is coming back soon to get you scared. That you're worried he's going to come back soon so that you'll change your life. And then when you find out it's taking a while, you're like, well, that wasn't worth it. I'll just go back to my old ways. No, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back, and he, he may be coming back soon. But I don't want to live my life any differently because I want to live toward him, all out for him, regardless of when he's coming back. And that's why I don't, I don't need to know when the time he's coming back is. I need to know that there's an urgency now to live my life for him. You can't, another problem with thinking he's coming back soon is you can't let the world live with more hope.
than the church is living their hope. Like I can't live my life telling the world how terrible things are, and yet they have more hope, and they're, they're thinking toward the future, and I'm only thinking toward the end. I want to pour hope. I want to be a source of hope. Here's a, a, a little passage from Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. At the time, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go and sell, or go to those who sell and oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready to, went in with them, with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Okay, so the, the bridegroom, of course, represents Jesus in this, and the, the ten virgins represent people coming to him. The five foolish ones were not ready for it to take a long time. They didn't bring enough oil. The wise ones were ready that it might take a while for the bridegroom to come. And so when we say that he's coming soon, we, got, we still need to remember that we have to prepare to be ready when he comes back, because it may be longer than you think. Another thing I would discourage you from doing is blaming God for this. Don't blame God. If we, we see that we blame God, and we see bad things, and we are almost saying that God is evil, and he's not. If we have a filter to say that we're not sure if God is good, you can pick out anything you want and say, well, here's proof. Maybe he's not so good. But if we believe in our hearts that he's good, we can look around and see all kinds of evidence, all kinds of things, all kinds of proof to show that he's good. You know, what, if, what would have happened if the kids were in school in the tornado? when it hit our building. You know, we can look around and, and uh, say there's no loss of, of life. If you will ask Jesus to show you where he is and where he was, he will show you. If you look for proof that he wasn't there, you can find that if you want to, too. You have to decide in your heart, are you going to find Jesus or are you going to find hopelessness? Don't blame God for what happened. There were no major injuries in our area. You know, what if it what if it hit our nursing home? I lived a half mile away. It just could have nudged over a little bit, taken a little bit of a different path. It could have hit us. And it didn't. And so we know that God is good. We have to grab onto that. We have to hang on to the goodness of God. 
But the other thing I want to, to guard you from is be careful in rede redefining what good is. So sometimes we'll say this, this happened and try to decide, well, actually it was good. This was a good thing. No, 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 no. Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works for good in all things, but he doesn't intend all things. He can turn anything into something amazing. If you will give it to him, he will use it. He will make it into something. But don't make him the author of evil and destruction. Scripture says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus commanded us to destroy the works of the enemy. So if you want to know what our call is, you look for death, loss, and destruction, and you fix it. Because that's what he's called us to. That's what Jesus is about. He didn't author these terrible things, but he can certainly turn it into something good. He can certainly make it into something amazing to the point where you will look back at it and you, won't, you will wonder, how could life have ever been so good if that didn't happen? If we didn't go through that tragedy, would we have ever learned? Would we ever grown? I don't know. I don't know. But God is good. And the, the last thing that I, I want to mention that we don't want to do is deny that this happened or pretend like it's not a big deal. Oh, it really wasn't that much. Oh, no, this was a big deal. This affected a lot of people. This, this hurts. This stings. See, the thing is, I don't have to deny realities to still embrace a higher reality. There was a lot of destruction, but there's a higher reality of good, loving so I don't have to throw away one to get to the other. I don't have to pretend like bad things didn't happen in order for me to move forward and say, but there's a good God who is healing and calling us toward him, calling us to him. So in the end, this is the question that we, we often come to. Why'd this happen? Why did all this happen? And, you know, we, we know that the enemy plays a, a huge role in why this happened, what happened. But... But honestly, overall, the, the honest truth is, um, I don't know. I don't know why all this happened. I don't know why some places got hit and others didn't. I don't know, you know, it wasn't a measurement of, you know, were some places holier than others or, or that kind of thing. I know there are places that were protected. I am grateful for the, all the lives that were protected. Yeah. But I don't know why this happened. And I don't have to pretend like it didn't. But what I do as I go through this is I grab on with one hand on the truth that this is painful and this, this hurts. And with the other hand, I grab on to the truth that, yes, God is still good. God is still good. I'm not going to blame the victims. I'm not going to say that, they, that they're just a bunch of terrible people. I'm not going to blame God. I'm going to say, I don't know, but you're still good. And that's where I'm going to camp out. I'm going to praise him. So I'm going to invite the team to come up. We're going to, we're going to close up this morning. I'm going to ask you guys to, uh, to stand with me. If you don't know that God is good, or maybe you don't even know that he's real, I want to invite you to, 
to come up front here and we'll have some, some of our leaders available to pray for you. If you don't know him, I don't know how you will get through this. You will, but I just don't know because that would be completely foreign to me on how you walk through this kind of thing without knowing Jesus. And I want to encourage you, um, if you're wondering what to do, pray, serve unto the Lord first, and then see what he shows you. See how he would show you, how he would have you act, what he would want you to do. So we're going to pray. We're going to close tonight this morning. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're good. We thank you that you cover us, that you protect us. We thank you that even in spite of things we don't understand, you're good, that you're here. Lord, we choose to see your goodness. We choose to watch and see where you show up and what you're doing. And we choose to partner with that goodness, God. Let us be a part of that goodness. Let us show your goodness to those around us. God, we pray blessings on each person here. Those who were not very directly affected, Lord, we bless them. We bless them with, with joy that they don't have to feel this horrid burden that isn't theirs. And those that were, God, we pray that you would cover them and give them everything.